X-rated movies. This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date, and now they don't. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Whedon. I'm another one of your hosts, Matthew Fisher. And Matt, we have a very special guest with us today. A very, very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, Darren Dews is with us once again. Hello. Welcome back, Darren. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Last time you joined us, we were talking about the Oscars, and then uh, the world seemed simpler, simpler then. Ah, what's going on now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't checked the news recently. Yeah. Just curious. Yeah. But no, last week we, we had a wheel that we were spinning. <laughs> we had a wheel within a wheel, and there was a tiny sliver that we're like, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just put this on there for fun, and if it lands on it, we'll have Darren on, and we'll do the two movies that we've talked about the most with him. And um, I'll be damned if we didn't land on it. What were so. the other slots on the wheel? Well, the game was supposed to be we'd spin it once, and it was going to land on a general category, and then we'd spin it again, and it was going to be different genres within that category. And, uh, and then when it, it, it turned into a me? logistic nightmare a little <laughs> oh. bit, but luckily it landed on you, so we could just throw all wow. the other stuff out the window. I'm so honored. <laughs> I honestly haven't started editing it, so I have no idea. This, by the way, is technically gonna... our Pride episode. This comes out like, <laughs> oh, yeah. the Monday before Pride. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor <And> Pride. <laughs> I know. Because every time Ryan has the idea to bring you on Darren I'm almost like oh we got to talk about the piano he has such a good story and it's a perfect movie for our podcast and for some reason we never do it <laughs> and we don't do it cuz you can't find it yeah <laughs> we had a we had a time yeah it was a it's hell of a, a time a hard movie to find Ugh. but i ended up seeing it Finally. I mean, not that I haven't seen it. Yeah. (laughs) So you can talk about it from recent memory, not just your childhood feelings on it. And it was interesting seeing it later in life. I'll bet. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to dig into that. But that's Mm. not the only movie that we're here to talk about today because we also... A formative movie from Darren's childhood. (laughs) (laughs) When it was revealed on our Oscar episode that uh, you... Loved the ice storm. Loved the ice when storm. When it came out, which, yeah, you know that's pretty. That's important. really ahead of the curve there. Yeah, I think it's well, a, it was not appreciated in its time. No, it wasn't. Ninety seven. So good on you, little, little Darren Dews in a movie theater, <laughs> probably by himself. I want to say, who was like, I'm going to go see the ice storm. <laughs> I mean, what? I, I guess we'll talk about it when we get to the ice storm. But I do have some questions. <laughs> I have some questions about the piano too, and little Darren Dews in the theater. Lori Weckerly might have been with me for the ice storm. My oh. very best friend in high school. She might have. Maybe on the break we can you call can call her, her and we can find. I don't, her. Oh my god, wouldn't that be funny? Was she like your your bestie to go see movies with? Oh yeah, she was like your partner in crime. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when was the last time you talked to her? Oh my god, so long ago. <laughs> You should connect. We got to do it. This is your life. Well, Darren no. News. She's and here wonderful. she is on the stage. Oh, my God. I... She's great. You were wondering why we had four mics set oh up. My God. <laughs> so those are our two movies. Yeah, we're doing we're doing The Piano and the Ice Storm. Uplifting. Um, it's just fluff pieces, you know, really. You know, rom-coms. Yeah. Easy breezy. Easy. I mean, I barely remembered anything about them after watching them. It was like... Nothing to Just, sit with yeah. on either of them. 
fine. <laughs> Much like me. <laughs> <laughs> just jump in or is there any other pleasantries you'd like to get through well let's see how long was our oscar episode it was almost three hours <laughs> okay i feel like we could find something to talk about for 90 minutes between these two movies oh definitely, definitely. yeah is there one in particular y'all want to start with i kind of want to start with the piano all right so first half here we go here we are a piano piano 1993's the piano 1993 yes. yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jane Campion directed First and Only Woman to win Palm d'Or. Which she shared. With who? Uh, person, Farewell no, My Concubine. So that was best film of oh, Cannes. Oh, oh, she oh. was the individual. She won solo for best director. Director. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I have, I have a lot of thought because I haven't watched this movie in 10 to 15 years. You know, first time I saw it, I wasn't really sensitive to certain things. And Ryan brought this up in the Oscar episode. I do have one big question. What did Darren's parents think (laughs) when they went to the theater to show Darren this movie? So we already talked about it, but for those of you who missed it, (laughs) this riveting story, I'm a big Oscar fan. My family's always really liked the... We've always watched the Academy Awards. I saw Anna Paquin win. For the best performance by an actress in a supporting role, the Oscar goes to Anna Paquin, the piano. We're the same age. I think she was 12, 11 or 12 when she won. And, and good in this movie, oh I'll say. Oh, my God, so good. Oh, Real great. Good. Real so good. Great. Deserving. She's great. Um, and to have a young person win was very exciting for me and, and i i was thrilled and in my memory this could be very different than my parents which i mean i let's get him on and ask him yeah <laughs> my memory of this is that i was so excited and they registered that i was excited and they thought wow he seems so interested in this let's show our child this film <laughs> So we went to the Landmark Cinema in Hillcrest in San Diego, which was like the cool independent little theater. And I went with my sister Allison <laughs> and my mother. I don't think my father was there. And we watched the movie. I was tw- 11 or 12. And it really shot right through me. Like it... <laughs> It it changed I mean, the it's way. Not fair. It's not fair for a ten year old, eleven year old to watch this movie. No, it's so it's affecting for me. I'm e- almost forty. Even like, Anna Paquin wasn't allowed to see the full movie because of the until like two thousand or nine yeah. or something like that. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. lots of reasons why she wasn't. <laughs> but allowed. I saw it, and it absolutely. I mean, I still remember. I remember sitting there. I remember the opening shot. It's absolutely stayed with me. I asked for the soundtrack for Christmas. I wore down the tape. I had to get another cassette tape. I mean, it was was a movie that absolutely 
haunted me. I put myself in the in, in the shoes of like Darren's mother. Oh, it's horrible. And my sister, <laughs> my sister, you know, walked out. I've already That's told this story. <laughs> but I so we were sitting there and Harvey Keitel for that first scene when he comes out and he dusts the piano <laughs> naked. Yeah. Which he looks great, by the way. Yeah. My sister Allison, I mean God bless her. She was probably, how old? She hadn't graduated high school yet. But she was older than you. She was old. She's older than me, yeah. And I think that she just was like, I cannot do this. I can't be on a, and, with a screen with a naked like, man with my mom. And, and she was like, I'm not going to, I can't see yeah, this. I just like to think that her womanhood had to overcome <laughs> yeah. her. Yeah, <laughs> she had to go. <laughs> um, so she got up and my mother was like, where are you going? She's like, I can't watch this. And, and then my mother, my poor mother was there. And I remember she put her hand up. But the damage had been done. <laughs> and in my memory, I, in my memory, and of course this is as I'm looking at it as an adult, I, was, I had sympathy for my mother who was put in an awkward situation. But then I was so riveted. And, you know, it was a naked man. Yeah. And, like, I Things was like... probably coming online I was you. like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. No, there was no online. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they, came, they were born online. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just a... Yeah, I just... I completely remember it. I mean, well, what, from the story, the, the one thing I remember the most is you saying that, like, at the end, your mom just goes, well... <laughs> And I just think of that oh, this If I'm sitting in the oh, theater, like... Oh, my. Okay. Like, it's 1993. <laughs> oh, even your father's gonna... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> even progressive parents, you know, 1993, they probably didn't want their kids to be gay at the time. And so it's like, if I was, like, a parent in 1993, watching, like, a straight parent watching this movie, I'd be like, oh, my God, what am I showing my kid? And then I'd be like, oh, my God, what if he likes this? Well... I mean, I will say that my parents are, they're not radical liberals. I wouldn't put them in that category, but they're pretty great. Okay. They're, they're, they're really, they're very progressive. I think secretly my father loved it and he is a big movie lover. And that really opened up a conversation. I, I almost feel like you and boys have a relationship with their father that involves sports and you know the typical you know masculine things my father always loved movies loved old movie stars you know like he knows all that stuff he was very my late father was the same way and every now and again my, my, my father's been dead for for 20 years now but every now and again like when i'm around like my mother or my grandmother and i'll start talking about a movie or or some Hollywood yeah. star, they'll be like, "Your dad talked the exact same yeah. way." I mean, I'll call my father and he'll say like, "What was Greer Garson's fifth nomination for?" <laughs> you know, I'm like, "Oh, The Valley of Decision in 1945," like, oh, and he's yes. like, "Oh, are you sure?" <laughs> yeah, it was the piano was a real like gateway drug into like other probably not ordinary things for a young boy to see but well this this isn't an ordinary movie no. like no i watching it i still feel like there's so much here that feels 
Like, I, I just, you don't see it very often. You don't no. see horny, sad, naked men being like, please fuck me. You just don't see that. And you don't, you don't see things from the, this woman's perspective of like, you don't see a woman getting eaten out in her corset, you know, like mm-hmm. there's just like all these things that are like, I've never seen that before. And it's funny because in so many ways, it's like this one little slice of her life of when she went, because really the the time oh, yeah. when it starts to the time she leaves, I there's a whole there's a whole is other it even movie. A year? I don't even think it's that long. Yeah, yeah. Like but there's a, couple... a whole. She lived a whole life before she moves to New yeah. Zealand. Yeah, but it well because I mean the the movie roughly takes place like during the course of like the lessons. Uh, I mean, how many black keys are there, and how often did she get lessons? Less than eighty eight. Um. And so, you know, and she was probably giving lessons a couple times a week at the very least. So it was probably just over the course of a couple months. Yeah. yeah. And then she goes and lives another life after that. Yeah. So it's like, we, yeah, you're right. We see like just this tiny portion of her yeah. life. I was actually reading negative reviews of this sort mm-hmm. of in preparation because my first memory of this movie wasn't actually watching the movie. When I was growing up, my stepdad had uh, a legal cable box, so we got, like, pay-per-view channels and Showtime and HBO. And I remember my parents were watching this movie, and it took a lot of research to find out what movie this was, which is why I'm bringing it up. But it's they were watching a movie, and these characters in a restaurant are talking about something, and they um, somehow land on the movie The Piano. And suddenly, like, someone else in the restaurant hears them talking about this movie. And they're like, oh, I love that movie. And then the other person's like, oh, I hated it. You know, found it totally self-indulgent. And then someone else is like, I loved Harvey Keitel's ass in that movie. And, like, suddenly the whole restaurant is talking about the piano. Mm-hmm. And I took, like, you do a Google search for movie where they talk about the piano in a <laughs> restaurant. Like, it took some searching. But it was a movie called The Real Blonde. The director is, like, Tom DeCilio. He directed, like, Living in Oblivion and, like, some other Steve Buscemi movies. Okay. And it's the only scene of that movie that I remember is that they started... The two main characters brought up the piano in passing. Come on, it was nothing but a glorified romance novel. Spirited, sensuous young woman leaves her uptight husband for the man of her dreams. A masculine but sensitive native with earrings and tattoos. Sorry, Joe, but I think it completely missed what this film was about. And the whole restaurant sort of erupted into very polarizing opinions of the piano. Great photography. Mm, That little girl bugged me. If I had a daughter like that, I'd kick her fucking ass. I thought it was incredible. I cried through most of it. You did cry, and I was proud of you. You have to have some thoughts on this movie after watching it. There's no way you can just watch this and and be like, well... And and my mom remarked at that scene, she goes, yeah, you either loved or hated the piano. And I don't know where my mom stands on this, but that's my first impression of it, which was probably like 98, which was several years before I actually even watched the movie. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of opinions about the repressed woman and, you know, how a woman is treated one of the negative reviews that I read, like the, uh, a theme that I saw in a lot of the negative reviews, I, I guess I should say, is that they were like, I don't find sexual blackmail romantic or that the sexual blackmail is just sexual abuse, like in a different yeah. form. But, and I did some research on this, 
there was a survey in 1987 of romance novels and like bodice rippers that you'd like pick up at like department stores and, and grocery stores. Um, you know, something Catherine Trammell might write. Mm-hmm. And over 50% of them had instances of rape. And these are books written predominantly by women for women. And they involve some masculine man taking advantage of some woman. And so the same survey did an overview of romance novels in Sweden. And they found almost no instances of rape or or forced sex. And they determined, you know, according to the survey, that in America, because, you know, you're supposed to wait till marriage, or at least in a more conservative time, or that your women are supposed to keep pure and chaste until they, they find the right man. And in Sweden, not so much. And so women who are sort of slut-shamed in a way, sort of uh, fetishize the being taken by force aspect. Okay. okay. And so the the Harvey Keitel-Holly Hunter relationship, I kind of think plays into that fantasy. Like she's almost like a possession here. Like oh, she's 100%. sold yes. into she's this. She's treated like cattle. I mean... And the people complaining that they feel like sexual assault isn't romantic... Like it is and it isn't. I think this is sort of playing onto like the fantasies of the repressed a little bit. And I mean, I think something has to be said that it's directed by a woman, written produced, by her too, written by her, produced by a woman. The costumes, the editing, film editing, yeah, all women. I feel like there's a power struggle in it which she dominates in the end she does and i think that it's 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 balanced out by other feminine qualities she has like you know i don't want to speak for women or or mothers out there but i i think part of it is like you you want to have a strong bond with your child like for women out there that have the maternal instinct and here holly hunter and anna paquin have in, in some respects, an unspoken bond, like a bond so strong that they don't even need words. And I think that plays into like a, a different level of like womanhood. So you have like sort of repressed on one hand that's coming through. And then you have motherhood on the other hand that's coming through. And then like right in the middle of this is like, she feels that she's speechless. Like she has the ability to talk, but she really chooses not to, or she doesn't know why she doesn't talk she uses the piano as her, her vehicle of expression. Yeah. That's such a hallmark of uh, like the romantic period of classical music is like ambiguity anyway. So it's like, if that's her only mode of expression, it's going to be ambiguous as it comes out. So like, maybe she's into this. The desires of the heart are unknowable. Yeah. She, she can only speak in sort of interpretive ways, not literal ways. Yeah. And I, I, I had a lot of feelings watching this movie. So when I so when I rewatched it, I couldn't help but because I haven't seen it in about probably fifteen years. So when I rewatched it, I had a real kind of like, what were the things that really stood out to me when I was younger, and what are the things that I kind of saw anew? And one of the things that I still remember as a child 
was not understanding where her husband was or excuse me, her, the father of the child or if it was the husband. Yeah, I guess we don't know. And I remember as a young person, I just made that up in my head and I made up that it was probably an older gentleman who taught her piano. It's so funny because I looked into, you know, I, looked up the piano after scene and I was and I that was one of the theories and then I remember as a young kid when she gets picked up off the beach and Sam Neill says you're small I never thought you'd be small that line has lived with me hmm. because it's such a it's so demeaning mm, you know yeah. and it's so it's like such a, a line full of disappointment and also the way he delivers it is like he's kind of shocked that he's now stuck with this like very petite, probably five foot one well, and it's, woman. It speaks to like the the uh, like materialization of her and mm-hmm. that he's like, oh, measuring you know, her I, this dimensions. isn't what I it's like you get you order something off a catalog and yeah. it shows up and you're like, oh, this doesn't look like it did in the picture. These trousers don't fit the way the <laughs> yeah. catalog said they would. Yeah. And as a child to see that, I instantly had empathy for her and was just like, oh, her she's on the beach and she's like had a night of probably she not had to sleep in her much. hoop skirt. She had to sleep in the hoop Ooh. skirt, which is beautiful by the way. Yeah, I love that. Like, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's just like it's super stuck with me that you're so, I, I mean, think Sam so Neill is also his character also isn't like a straight up villain. He's really humanized in a way that I that I like. And like you understand kind of his evolution, you know? I mean like his his worst thing is like he's like no butt stuff, but other than that he's like he's really kind yeah, of What did your parents think during the <laughs> butt stuff scene? He's kind of understanding. There, I'm done. I want to touch you. Why can't I touch you? Well, I love that she wants to touch him. And he's like, real, like that really jars him. Yeah. He doesn't like, like that being out of control. That to me is so like, a progressive, like, I don't know that it's very central too. like, I'm I'm into it. (laughs) See, I, I, I I, like my reading of Sam Neill this time around was that like, he's not outright bad, but he does, I think feel entitled. Like he did view this marriage transactionally. Oh yeah. And even though he like, he's patient about it, he's still like, this woman needs to put out for me in the ways that, I am expecting that's like his struggle throughout the movie. It's like, this isn't what I wanted. Like, how do I deal with this? And he tries. He really, I think there is like a part of him that really just is patient in a way that I think you wouldn't normally see of somebody in his position. And I think it's interesting that he does have that moment of like, she spoke to me and she said she doesn't want to be here. Yeah. She said, I'm afraid of my will, of what it might do. It is so strange and strong. I have to go. Let me go. Let Baines take me away. Let him try and save me. And he's 
you know, I mean, I want to say he lets her go, but like he says time to move on. Yeah. It was weird how little I actually remembered from my first viewing. Some of it I, I definitely remembered, but really? a, a lot of it, it was sort of like watching it for the first time. Maybe I was just really drunk the mm. last time I saw it. It is kind of ambiguous and ghostly, so I can understand I, forgetting. There some was things. some scenes like where like Anna Paquin's like just like doing like cartwheels. I feel like this is like kind of where like Lynn Ramsey started. But if you look at like Lynn Ramsey's like older work or her short films, like I see a lot of what like the piano did in that, and so I feel like the piano was like the language that she started with. I mean, yeah, we should talk about the cinematography a little bit because it's it's real good. <laughs> it's like taking. I think of like there's a, there's lots of shots of like people being very small in these huge nature things. We just watched Brokeback Mountain, Darren. This is a surprise for you, but um, it's similar where it's like it's very romantic, like people in large, like there's na- they look small in nature. There's a lot of those shots. Like that one where like Anna Paquin's running on the hills and she just looks really uh-huh. small and like well, I, and I love all that. I I the, this time I didn't realize I always knew that they were there, but I never realized how much they use like when he goes into his pocket to take out her picture and you are in the pocket or oh. When she takes off the piece of wood and she puts her hand oh, into close the, ups into the piano and these or the eye in the camera, it's all of these only one person can see that shots that are so intimate and like delicate that I remember them. But then to see them all together like that again was really breathtaking. I thought it was some shots were so beautiful when he's looking in the like the hole in the the hole when he's watching them have sex. I definitely was thinking I was like, there's a lot of holes like in every housing structure. Yeah, Mm. like there's no privacy in in Tasmania here. They're in New Zealand. New Zealand. Oh, I thought it was Tasmania. No. And and like there's all those shots of like the the beaches stuff. Like when you think of I don't know, I I was watching something about Lawrence of Arabia and they're like you watch some of those shots and you see like footprints in the sand, you're like they're making those footprints, which means that like they had to wait until the sand was all gone, like blown, mm. you know, f- flat. And there's that there's that in this. There's like shots where they're looking down on the beach. And when they walk away and you see Anna Fresh. and then Holly go and then Hart and you it creates this like almost musical note yeah. with like a seahorse. Yeah, that's oh, the, that's specifically yeah. what I'm thinking of cuz like Harvey Keitel had to just stand there while they like waited for the water to come and get rid of their like if they did it in more than one take, I guess is what I'm saying. Cuz like those are fresh prints they're making in that sand. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you see shots like that and you're like, fuck, that is so difficult. And it's, I mean, it looks great. I and mean, it's get a, a, an 11 year old to like hold still. I long know. Enough. Yeah. Okay. So let's She's go back so to good. Anna Paquin real quick. Her, her, uh, I uh, hate children actors in general, but her like, uh, was someone asked her like, where's your mother? Where's she gone? That is the best line reading I've <sighs> ever seen. Like there's the part where she's 
Holly Hunter's telling her, she's like, oh, I've told you that story about your your dad a hundred times. And she goes, tell me again. Was he a teacher? That's good. My favorite line of hers is, no, I tell a lie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I tell a lie. It was in a small country church near the mountains. So good. Yeah, she's she's real good. She's got a lot to do in this movie too, so that's a that's lot heavy lifting for a child actor. And a lot of t- honestly, that's a real turnoff for me when if a child has a lot to do in a movie. And I was reading that Holly Hunter has three credits. Has three credits because like she learned to actually sign, and she played most of the piano parts herself. I heard she learned piano for well, this. She was Anna Paquin's sign instructor. And I'm Whoa, just like, what? Yeah. I'm like, fuck you, Holly Hunter. Leave a little talent for the rest of us here. <laughs> I know. Wow. I mean, and she's great in it, too. We should, we should it's mention just, it's, that. It, I think it, it can be difficult to like assess an actor's ability when they're silent the whole movie. But Oh, really? I Well, no, like, you see exactly what she's feeling yeah. in her face. But if you're an actor... And you're getting a role that has basically no lines, like a, a monologue at the, the beginning Lord. and the end. Well, you're an actor, Darren. Or you went to I acting am. school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Holly Hello. Hunter School Hello. of Theatrics. Hello, my name is Darren Dews. <laughs> and thank you for the headshot. I don't, I don't know what to do with I it. I just but. thought I'd bring one. <laughs> Uh, but how do you feel about that? Do, do you like prefer to just have instructions I mean, on how to well, body Well, first of all, or? an actor would say, well, you know, that's like a, almost like an incentive. Like I, you know. Like a challenge. A challenge, uh, you know, and technically, you know, I don't want to say technically, but she does speak. She speaks through her child. She speaks through her piano. Mm-hmm. And that's like a wonderful challenge, especially since she knows how to play the piano. I'm sure that that was a completely different way of expression of like, how does Ada play a piano as opposed to how does Holly play a piano? Mm-hmm. And that's like my actory thing going on. But she probably did. Because mm-hmm. I mean, when she, you see how she plays it. When he when like Harvey Keitel like disappears, and she's like kind of leaned over the piano and she's kind of like tapping into it, and then all of a sudden she like stops and she's like, "Where is he?" Like when he touches her in the stocking too, where she's playing, and then like, the hole of the stocking, the another hole. Lots of holes. As a child, Mm. I still remember when she lifts up her skirt and you see her hoop. Oh, yeah. Uh And then she has to lift up her hoop. Yeah. I was definitely thinking, I was like, God, people had way too much time to put on way too much clothes. And the mud. And the mud. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Looked like real mud. And everyone's so dirty all the time. (laughs) It's like. Everyone looks a little sweaty, a little unbathed. Mm -hmm. But also, like. I don't know. For some reason, when I remember when this movie was like playing on commercials as a kid, I remember thinking, oh, this movie looks very like 
purple, brown, black. Like it looks very dark and period piece. But like when I watch it, like it's full of these like lush greens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like when she gets her finger cut off, spoiler alert, that's like that's a flash of red that you have on seen. Anna Paquin. Yeah. Which is <sighs> a fantastic shot. But just like, yeah, stuff like that. This is a capital M movie. Oh, like, yeah. I love seeing stuff Honestly, like, like, this is near the beginning, but it's like when uh, Samuel's like, we can't bring the piano on this trip. It's too heavy. I don't have enough men. And they have to leave it on the beach. <gasps> I know what you're talking about. And, yeah. like, they get up to, like, the, the ridge a little bit, and Holly Hunter's looking down at the piano on the beach, yes. and the Michael Nyman score comes in, and the camera just kind of like it's... swoops around. I was like, I am here for you, Holly Hunter. <laughs> well, and then the, when she gets back, and she's like, can we go back for the piano now? And he's like, no, I'll have to get it later. And then like, there's like the night passing, and it just shows the piano sitting on the beach with the waves behind it. My thought was like, oh, it looks like a coffin. And then later, when they throw it off the canoe when they're going they're like it's a coffin throw it off i'm like oh my god she planned that like oh that's yeah. what i'm here for live i love that shit i'm living for yeah. it also i didn't really like the, and like the foreshadowing with like the cutting off the lady's hand for the play with the shadow puppets oh they're yeah. like look the at this Bluebeard, i'm gonna cut yeah. your hand off yeah. and it does, i'm not really doing it but then later he cuts her fingers off i'm like oh it's all it's there. so it's yeah. so simple <laughs> and so it's so beautifully done. Yeah, and it's better second time. Because this is only my second time watching it, but like I things I knew were coming. I was like, oh, I, I love this. That's foreshadowing for what's coming later. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, it just it pays off every time. Yeah. Whew, okay, I got a little worked up there. Yeah, and but, just her, her like, him wanting to remove different articles of clothing from her, and. You know, this just me personally. I think that she felt sexually liberated by it. I think she knew that what she was doing was like technically wrong. wrong. For but she was the like, era I'm not connected in. to this Sam Neil guy. <laughs> I mean, like, what's Poor his Sam Neil? Alistair. Alistair. Let's call him Alistair. Okay. Always the husband. No one wants to be married to. <laughs> I know. Same year as Jurassic Park. Same year. <laughs> Two films that really did it for me. Are you a Jurassic Park man? Oh my! Who doesn't like Jurassic? I mean, Park? I know, but like, I wanted to be that little boy. Oh, okay. So bad, and run from those dinosaurs. That's oh a, my 1993 god! Was a big year for you in, uh, going to theater wise. You guys have no idea. <laughs> when we did the Oscar special, I did like I I liked hearing about you talking about even movies like Ford versus Ferrari. Because you looked at the movie on its terms, not like whether or not yeah, yeah. I like the movie, but you looked at it like, what is the movie trying to do? Yeah. And you judged it based on that. Yeah. And I've always liked that. But you didn't seem moved by Ford versus Ferrari in this example. And so like Jurassic Park, I can see you seeing Jurassic Park and being like, well, what Mr. Spielberg was trying to accomplish is quite uh, uh, impressive. I would like to think I was that intelligent as a kid, but no, it was like, I want to like run from those. I used to sit like on the couch and pretend like a window was being shattered above me, like, and holding up the skylight, Mm. you know, like. (laughs) With a dinosaur coming down. Yeah, and the while watching out. Anna Paquin win an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... 
<laughs> they had a T-Rex head at the, that Oscars, didn't they? Because I think... Yes, give an envelope, that's right? right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think they yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, this was the year of Schindler's List. I know! Like, so... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> to go back real quick, the Michael Nyman score in oh, this... Oh, yeah. It wasn't even nominated. It wasn't nominated. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That it's is an a apt crime. People should go to jail for that. What the fuck? Not to go back to me as a young person anymore, but like I was so livid about that. <laughs> but before you know, or I, after seeing can, the movie? After. Okay, okay. Just, I can oh rest, my gosh. <laughs> I can rest easy knowing that Michael Nyman probably like cleaned up because that was like a best selling soundtrack. It was. Oh. It was. So it's like, you know, the Oscar might have escaped him, but the money just He's poured like, down yeah. on him. People ask him later in interviews, are you upset that you weren't nominated for an Oscar? He's like, I can't I'm hear rich, you over bitch. all this money. Yeah. <laughs> Great. It's so, it's, like, it's, I think one of the best scores ever written. I, I think that is, yeah, it, it, I even like the like sort of jig like music that's used yeah. and like, it's not even piano related. Like that stuff's good too. It just, it, it fits so well with the movie. Like, I, I think minimalism in general is ideal for movie scores. I think it works really well because you kind of have to, like, sit with it for a scene. Like, if the director's really directing it, you can, like, live with a scene for a moment. But this in particular, there's, like, a lyrical aspect to it that really grabbed me. And I'm not I'm not a musical person, per se, but I would feel that the challenge of that this that what the the kind of the base theme that we're going to use is also going to have to be played on screen for other characters to hear is a different challenge than let me just write a score yeah. and by someone who has you know is not a professional musician yeah so yeah I, I i guess they had a meeting and kind of said she they were kind of like hey like what's your ability and like how like they kind of figured out that she was pretty good there is one scene i think it's on the beach when she's playing the piano where they don't show her hands. And I was like, oh, you know, old Hollywood trick where you play mm-hmm. the music, but you don't show the hands. But then, like, it keeps panning and, like, the camera kind of goes up a little bit. And then it actually shows her hands. I'm like, yeah. oh, it well, and the, and that looks like she's scene, really playing. Yeah, in that same scene, Anna Paquin comes in and plays, like, the top part. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, like, she flubs it once or twice. And it's like, oh, I think they're really using the music that they're playing right then. Yeah. Which... Hey, how would you even record that as an audio engineer with all the waves? But, like, it's good. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I think they're really doing it. I just... So, yeah, it's a, it's a unique uh, challenge as a composer to be like, okay, well, I, I can only write something that somebody at this level can play. And she's going to have to do it on s- screen. So, yeah. This movie's good. It, and it also just, like, it hit me, you know, once you get, like, it felt so uniquely feminine too. Like everything I, about it uh, seemed to be told from a woman's th- point of this view. This time watching it, I felt more and more that it was a uh, such a female, like uh, purposely. Se- like I-, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like yeah. It-, it was, and and also I found the humor a little bit more of her. Har- how Harvey 
delivers some lines okay that are kind of made me attracted to him kind of his little boyish sort of like all right fine 10 fine 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 mm-hmm. fine 10 keys yeah i was i mean i was thinking about that too uh cuz we watched in the cut with Bettina McKelvey a couple oh, yeah. uh seasons ago about a year ago now yeah that was the first jane campion movie i'd ever seen and uh we talked about how horny it is and how like from a woman's perspective horny it is and i'm like this is uh in along the same lines because like i would i would see the scenes like when harvey Keitel's like the arrangement is making you a whore and me wretched this is the sort of stuff that maybe hits a woman differently than me because like this is this is what a woman wants to see as far as like a man uh on screen and like and and then same thing with sam neill where she's like she's touching him in an erotic way and he can't handle it it's like it's it's definitely like for the woman's pleasure in those and I mean, scenes. Harvey Keitel's not really turned on by Holly Hunter till he hears her play. Mm. Like, yeah, they're on the beach and she starts mm. playing, and like, there might have been like a simple physical attraction, but the the camera lingers on Harvey Keitel as he like stops moving and like just listens to her, and like he turns around and you can tell that there's been a shift in what he thinks about Holly Hunter at that yeah. point. And then the next time we see him, he's like. How about I buy that piano? Well, yeah, and he very specifically says he's like... There's things I'd like to do while you play. Which, that... <laughs> it's kind of dirty. So dirty. <laughs> uh, and uh, watching it this time, that line particularly was like... <laughs> like, like I, I kind of like... It, that hit me in a different way. Because everything is about me as a child. (laughs) That hit me in a different way. And also I have to say when she takes off her coat and he touches her arms, I watched that and I was like, all right, I get that. Like, I don't think I understood that until... A certain age. I think you even see like the ar- the hairs on her arm stand up a yeah. little bit, and you're like, Ugh. and you're like, oh god, Harvey. Like, <laughs> when was and when was the last time you think Holly Hunter's character got touched like that? Yeah, and you're like, she's well, been oh, in quarantine. Maybe never. <laughs> like when I was watching this time, I was like, you know, Harvey Keitel's not like a big guy. He's kind of short. But there was a scene of those two laying in bed, and I was like, he's the perfect size for her because like. As Sam Neill pointed out, she's small. Right. Like, smaller than he thought. But, like, they're lying next to one another, and he looks small, or or she looks small, but Harvey Keitel looks really large around her. So it's like, he can wrap his big arms around her, Uh and it's like a perfect fit. Well, and when they're they're watching the play, and she sits next to um, Sam Neill, and, Mm. like, they hold hands, it shows her tiny little doll hands, and then it goes over to... um, Harvey Keitel's hands and they're huge. Like I'm like, it looks like he could just crush them in his, in his own. And he can't handle it. And he gets up and you have that tiny little smile. Yeah. She's like, good. <laughs> oh, the whole idea of Bluebeard, the play and about how he cuts off the heads of his lovers. And it, it's so, 
it all falls in line with the story that you know that we're following and i love that like we get more than just holly hunter as a woman character because like we also have that like religious lady with the big mole and her carrie walker and she's got like her her assistant i'm not sure who that is but like genevieve lemon i just think of them (laughs) they're like two very famous australian actors I'll, i'll trust you on that one but it's just nice to have their perspective a lot of times because it's like they're women, but they, they're very like religious, non-sexual women. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even when she has to sit squat down to pee, she's like, hold those oh. things up. And uh, that scene struck me this time for some reason because she's talking yeah. about Holly Hunter's music. Like when she's just expressionist yes. like, playing, she's like, no, she is a strange creature. And her playing is strange. Like a mood that passes into you. To have a sound creep inside you is not at all pleasant. Oh, because you don't like your body, basically. Yeah. And, and she's peeing. Yeah, 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 at that time. Like, it, that, I don't think I register how kind of unique that one scene is. Yeah. That a woman is talking about to another woman, to two women, about how she doesn't relate to this other woman because she doesn't play music like she does while she's peeing. Yeah. Yeah. I, that scene stuck out to me this time through. Yeah. I'll always remember when Sam Neill goes to talk to her. And there's a shot of her fan. Oh, right. Yeah. And then, then it's a shot of him ab- above from, for the teacup, During and he tea. stirs it and puts the spoon down. Well, it hasn't come to anything yet. It's a big concern, that's all. Yes. Yes, of course, concern. Something to be said for silence. Indeed. 11-year-old Darren Deuce. Like, that <laughs> was like that, like a fan and a teacup was what, like, are two shots I will always remember. I, I just love those characters on in this type of movie because it's like it just puts like sort of a balance to the unbridled sort of sexuality of Holly Hunter's character because I think it's easy to to be like oh this is just a bodice ripper maybe if you don't have them to kind of balance out the feminine issue in that I really want to talk about the end of this movie a lot because I don't know I love I love the last shot I love the final that, that image like that's the one thing that I remembered very clearly from my initial watch. It's a great ending. It's such a good ending. But I think it's important that we have her getting like pulled overboard. Right. Making the choice. And then her talking about how sometimes she thinks about her her other path that she could have chosen. Yeah. And just like the, the sort of pan back underwater, like tethered to the piano, like... That image, I remembered that most from my first viewing. That's a, I still, whenever I finish the movie, I'm just going to think of Darren's mom going, well, uh, that was a bit much. <laughs> well, <laughs> we got to go find your sister. <laughs> and me just like, like mouth ajar, like. Like, I don't know if I'm crying or like, you know, oh, there's a silence where I have been no sound. Yeah. At night, I think of my piano and its ocean grave. 
and sometimes myself floating above it. Down there, everything is so still and silent that it lulls me to sleep. It is a weird lullaby, and so it is. It is mine. There is a silence where hath been no sound. There is a silence where no sound may be in the cold grave under the deep, deep sea. Yeah, it's just well, like, it's, it's so haunting, and it's a telling of her character because it's like she's—you you don't know where she lands. Still, she's still like, yeah, yeah, I have this life, but you know what? I'm not entirely happy there still, too, because I still think of like, wow, what if I had died then? Yes, mm-hmm. and like, I love that she's still unsatisfied and unsettled. It's like the music or like something that's just untamable, unknowable. It's a weird lullaby, you know? Like mm-hmm. that's just her character. Oh, it's a good It's ending. a lullaby that lulls her to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like that satisfies Feeling. her. Yeah. And she's like, I know it's weird and I don't care. That's me. Yeah. It, yeah. She's just being true to herself. Oh, no. It's so good. You know, and so uh, to bring it back, like uh, uh, to my first impression of a different movie, some crappy movie that for, as far as I can tell, has largely been forgotten. <laughs> but I guess this movie was very polarizing, you know, back in the day. And while I was watching it, I had like a, a brief thought. I was like, how could you not like this movie? Like there's so much to it. But then at the same time, I was like, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend this movie to a casual movie fan. Because I, I almost think like there's a little too much there for someone who just watches things casually so i have a vivid memory of an oprah show before the academy award she had like a who's gonna win sort of thing so i hadn't seen the movie yet and there was a woman in the audience who was like the piano and like oprah was like it was back in the day when oprah was like in the audience with the microphone she and she was like well, what what what's your you know you really like the piano and she goes oh my gosh harvey Keitel. oh my god there was like like oh my god i can't and i remember thinking about that when i saw the movie like people only saw the sex in it mm. which again even like my mother was like look away look away look away and those are the things that didn't absorb into me as a young viewer obviously i'm not i wasn't older when i saw it but it's funny to think about that yeah i don't know what the point of that was well just there's so much imagery and powerfulness outside of that too that i could see uh as somebody who was like just learning about sex like that might not be the most interesting thing to you but like you mentioned, I think the first time you told the story, her like collapsing in the mud and her dress billowing out. It's like, oh that's God. an, Im- I mean, that's a very intense scene and it's very good. It's well made, but like it ends on that just flop and you, I don't know. So um, now looking at it, I'm like, all right, you're, you are the director and you're like, okay, I want you to walk over there. I, th- I mean, I would assume, like, this is the camera set up. Walk over in that pie, you know, the, the, the 
all that water and you're, we're going to hopefully get your dress to billow out. I'm like, yeah, I feel like she's just like, just takes six steps and then collapse. And then that's what they got. And she's like, everybody oh. shut up. Everybody shut up. <laughs> shut up. We got it. <laughs> Gosh. I wonder what that, I'd love to ask Holly that. Yeah. I mean, one thing I, I kind of caught this time too, was how like, you know, Holly Hunter's, I'm kind of just jumping all over here, but how Holly Hunter, um, she loses a finger at one point and it's right after she decides to take a key from the piano mm. out to give to I, him. Ugh. And it's like, Oh, it's a f- she's in pieces the same way the piano's in pieces. Yes. And she's sort of treated like an object the way the piano's treated like an object. Traded so, between owners. And yeah, like, and the way that like she's sort of, she wants to have Sam Neill be like her piano. Like she wants to objectify him. So she's playing him like a piano. She's like got, moving her fingers over him like he's a piano. Like there's just Hit that prostrate like a pedal. Yeah. <laughs> there's just so much like... So many themes running through this. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of like parallels. Like it seems juvenile to say this, but like Darren pointed out, how many like holes there are in the movie. Yeah. And this movie's so intentional that that like it can't be accidental. That no, like people are gathering so... information and like uh, relaying emotions through holes. That yeah. like even saying it out loud seems juvenile but the, the little girls looking through the holes of the theater curtains, yes yeah yeah it's all like it's all peering i think darren you mentioned that, like you were kind of half afraid like when we did heavenly creatures like i didn't want to do the piano because like what if you guys didn't like it and... i know yeah i because <laughs> if you guys didn't like it i would have i it truly i used to show it to people like a litmus test. Kinda. And kind of, yeah. If the real blonde has taught me anything, 50% of those people didn't react well to the movie. <laughs> They're no longer part of my life. Mm. <laughs> no. So good. Oh my but God. I, it, it it really is. Like, I was shocked at how, like, just involved I yeah. got. And a lot of it, like, was just, like, sort of heavy-handed directing. Like, Holly Hunter up on the ridge while the Michael Nyman score plays and like she's looking down the piano and I'm like like I was shocked at how much I was sympathizing like she's basically leaving another child on the beach like she's leaving her voice down there oh yeah like the scene where she's on the beach she's holding her daughter and like looking down at her daughter and then she takes her hand and she puts her hand inside And plays. And to me, it's like those are her two children. Mm-hmm. And she communicates through both of them. There's a lot in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, this was a good one. This was a good one. Mm, fertile. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to be crass here. Uh, but we asked this during In the Cut. I was not a Mark Ruffalo man myself. Harvey Keitel, gentlemen, hit it or quit it. In this movie specifically, face tattoos and everything. I would totally hit it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I I have a a vague recollection that my mom also thought that Harvey Keitel in this was very sexy. Well, because, and again, casting (laughs) someone who isn't, casting someone who's not like a George Clooney. You know, it's Mm. not, it's not like Brad Pitt (laughs) or someone, you know, or even like a. He needs to be a little rugged. He also needs to be a little real, I think. Because yeah. it has to be someone that 
you wouldn't look at and be like, oh, I want to hit that. It has to be someone whose actions well, also, can make like, them more attractive. People's like bodies were different back then. They used their bodies differently. What was sexy was different back then. And I feel like he looks like this man that like lives out in yeah. this crazy wilderness of New Zealand. And One he... of those uh, uh, maid ladies took a shine to him. Yeah. Maybe. He, I think that his vulnerability makes him hot, too. Mm. Where he's just like, he's trying to restrain himself, but his passion is so strong that he can't. He's like, I must touch you. You know, when he's like, I'll just touch this hole in her stocking. And then like he's like, that's all I can do for today. Like that. And then like when he does eventually take off all his clothes, he's like, just lay with me naked. Like, I don't know. There, there's a hotness to that and, vulnerability. And, and he says like, he does it in such a way that as I'm uh, when I rewatched it, he says, "Lay with me," and then he sits up on the 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 bed and he kind of like covers himself a little bit. He kind of rearranges himself, and it just is a very small way of showing like this is so bold for him. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't what he does. Yeah, you know, this is crazy for him to be doing this yeah and that's what i mean like he's being he's makes himself vulnerable in ways that he never has been and like that's hot in in its own way so hit it yeah but only if sam neil was watching with a dog (laughs) licking his hand i mean i'd hit sam neil in this movie too let's be honest yeah watching this time i was so handsome yeah (laughs) i I, I wonder if that was his booty do you think that was i i I don't know it was a nice booty. It was a really. Oh my yeah. god! I'm going to some Comic Con where he is. And I'm like, um, Sam um, Neil <laughs> in the piano. Was that your real butt? Uh, I'm sorry. We're only accepting questions on Jurassic Park here. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, very, it, yeah. rich movie, rich, rich, rich. rich, it, rich yeah, rich, very rich. rewarding. Very rewarding. I'm really glad you liked it. Um, she does eventually start to talk at the end there with the sheet over her head. Bah, bah, yeah. Da da da. And then she's got she's got her, her missing finger thing, and she's like, "I'm quite the freak. I kind of love it." Yeah, <laughs> like that's good. and like their their costumes have like gotten a little bit brighter. Did you notice yeah. that beautiful mm. little? You didn't like that? No, no, I love. It. I'm just like I'm just thinking about. I I love the ending of this movie. It's really, it's it's, it's, it's very satisfying. Even though it's like a happy ending. Well, I mean, it's well, you don't see. You it's see happy the woman, sad it, because like it does have like the image of her like. Right, but they're to the, hit, the, the, they're to the like piano, in another but... world, a, 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 in a lesser movie, she would be punished for going after her sexual, yes. like, like what she wants. And in this movie, she doesn't. She chooses. She's like, no, I shouldn't fucking be punished for wanting to fuck this guy. I I also think that like the end of Titanic has like the same themes where like she drops like the heart of the ocean in at the end, and like her imagining herself at Matthew, like being tethered, Matthew. Yes, Darren. Are you comparing the piano to Titanic? <laughs> I'm saying that there are similar themes that are tried to be accomplished, but that Jane Campion, of course, succeeds in those themes. Where in Titanic, that old I lady is just I, a, uh... a liar and a slut. <laughs> Heart of the ocean, never heard of it. Let me tell you my life's tale. <laughs> but like. It, like the same theme though, because like sure, the sure, old lady sure, sure. drops the the 
jewel into the ocean like holly hunter's imagining herself at the bottom of what ocean is it over there Uh, the pacific is it still the it's not indian indian Uh, yeah whatever like the the idea remains similar but like in Titanic, but completely, it seems so... utterly done, so much better, <laughs> yeah. and it's a completely better movie. And, and yes, Darren, do you not like Titanic? I'm sensing a little resentment here. No, I do not like Titanic wow. at all. I absolutely enjoyed when the the you just like the first half. I I, I liked <laughs> the second half when it sank and all the, the. I thought all of that was really fun and interesting and beautifully done. All the rest, I was really annoyed with. Okay. okay. Just to redeem myself, the piano is a better movie than Titanic. I just, yes. I want to, I, I want to be unambiguous we're about all, that. We're all on that page, I think. And not to switch, but the Ice Storm came out as the same year. Oh, as no, I was going to say. Sorry, edit it. Drop it. Drop it. Titanic's a great pivot point, but before we get okay. to that pivot, why don't we take a little break? <laughs> Come to think of it, I think the writer of Down Abbey did do a Titanic miniseries and it failed. If memory serves. You know what? With Catherine Zeta Jones and Gabriel Byrne? No. Mm. Uh Lopez. No. Mm. Big eyebrows, beautiful blue eyes. Burn. Gabriel Byrne. Mm. No. <laughs> um American Beauty Guy. Kevin Spacey. No. Chris uh, Cooper. Oh, oh, the the young guy who loves the trash ki- bags. The king, the the king of real estate. Gabriel Big Byrne. Lips. Yeah, that's Gabriel Byrne. No. Okay, I'm looking it up. You're right. It's not Gabriel Byrne. It's, Thank you. Uh, it's uh, I know who you're talking about. He's the dad in Mother's Boys, uh, and he's in. Uh, while That's you were sleeping, Peter Gallagher. Yes, Peter, Peter Gallagher. Gallagher. <laughs> Ga- see Gallagher. While you were sleeping, I'm, I'm yeah. glad that Mother's Boys is the point of reference <laughs> you used. Wait, wait. You should do a Titanic tr- 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 marathon of all three. And then, no, and then there's the old one from fifty. I think there's two old ones because there's, there's one Night to Remember with Barbara Stanwyck, and that won an Academy Award, if I remember it did, correctly, for screenplay. Wow, but I. I almost feel like there's a second one. I think there is another one called Titanic. I yeah, I feel like there is, but I can't put any real details. Wow, to it. what a day that would be if you watched all five of those, huh? I say let's do it. <laughs> I come back. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, Titanic, which we've talked about at length, came out in 1997. But do you know what else came out in 1997? A little film called The Ice Storm. Cold. It was chilly. Yeah. We mentioned at the intro to this that, like, you know, maybe you were ahead of your time, Darren, (laughs) because this movie is very underappreciated. It is fucking underappreciated. It it really, I think it's truly, it's starting to gain what it needed, but in its time, 
I feel like people breezed over this shit. Yeah, and I, I do not understand. I it. watched the trailer for this, like nothing. Like I don't have any memories of the of the, Me, the TV really. Spot I for didn't. This. I didn't know about it until 2006 when somebody found it on a VHS when I was shopping with them at Everyday Music. I'm like, oh, this movie's good, and I'm like, I've never heard of this. H- had you? Hold on, Darren. You saw it in theaters. Yeah, I have a story. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Ryan, when was the first time you saw this? Like 2006, 2007. Okay. So almost 10 oh. years after it came out, yeah. I only watched this for the first time in like November. Really? I watched this and Marriage Story in the same night. Oh, interesting. Very waspy problems. Yeah, yeah very waspy. So I saw on Siskel and Niebert, which for those of you who do not know, are were two movie the reviewers at the movies. They were like the go-to people... They had a show, both worked in Chicago for rival newspapers, newspapers, and they would give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And I used to watch them, I mean, you know, Sundays at like weird times, like 2.30. Yeah, I remember them on at like 11 p.m. on like Tuesdays or something. It was was like on at random times. It was so good. And, you know... They reviewed the Ice Storm, and also the Wings of the Dove, which is another one that came out ninety oh, seven yeah. that I saw because of their show. Wow. Okay. So I'd only seen their review of it, and I said I'm going to go see that. So I went to a theater and saw this, and you know, it was just, it was I loved it. Yeah, I, with your friend. Did you see it with a friend? With my friend Lori Weckerly. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna say we saw it together, because she kind of went through a real Joan Allen phase, and I went through a real Julia Binoche phase. <laughs> Joan Allen was such oh a my thing God, in the I late need to 90s. Call Lori. Also, she go? what high She's schooler? So great. What yeah. high schooler goes through a Julia Binoche phase? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I didn't go through that till I was 32. Matthew, uh, I mean, Darren. you're looking Early at bloomer. <laughs> well, no, I mean, if if I've learned one thing about Darren, that from... was after my like Vanessa Redgrave fan <laughs> phase. <laughs> but you went through that early. Did you see Mother's points. Boys? <laughs> no, I've never seen that. Oh, so she's in bad. it. Oh, but yeah, she is in it. The Oscar special that we did, I learned a lot about you, but I, I also learned that like your cinematic taste like you hit like a ton of bricks hard and early yeah and it just kind of solidified a little bit like the piano which you saw when you were 11 12 yeah is still one of your favorite movies so that means this movie you would have been like 15 16 yeah 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 good for you yeah it was like you went around your high school telling everyone who was talking about titanic no 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 uh, American, American Beauty. Beauty. Uh. When American Beauty came out, which was my junior, senior year, everyone was so, like, just everyone loved American Beauty. And I understand the impact that it, for those lesser people that did not experience <laughs> the ice storm of several years before. But I, and I literally said to people, you need to see the ice storm because it's better. It's it deals with waspier. the same stuff. Yeah. And yeah, and I would almost argue in a better way. Yeah. Specifically because of the context. Like 
Thanksgiving 1973 is like that's a big year. I mean, that's like a... Nixon was impeached in 74 or the Ni- not Watergate impeached, was going but, on. Yeah, Watergate and, was going on, but he didn't resign till 74. Is what specifically like. Thanksgiving 1973 was the 10 year anniversary of Kennedy assassination. So mm. like it's nuts. And yeah, how right, Christina cause... Ricci's character is like every like she turns on the television and she it's like and that ends tonight's coverage of the Watergate affair. In other news, outside it was like a such a visceral time yeah. in the United States. Yeah, you not mentioned like Thanksgiving. Today. You're not right. like today. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you mentioned Thanksgiving and the Kennedy assassination. That it, at, I I didn't even think about that because Kennedy was assassinated on November twenty second, which Every so many years, that actually Thanksgiving. is Thanksgiving. And I looked mm. it up. I checked it out. And it is. The 10-year anniversary of that was on Thanksgiving, 1973. Oh. So it's like oh. that whole... Especially How like with Watergate. Because apparently the speech that she she watches, uh, Christina Ricci in this movie, is the like, I'm not a crook speech. I didn't know all this. Yeah. And like to set a movie and just like the events that like just have events and, surround it and it's just in the background it's just yeah. like this thing that's kind of happening it's the yeah, setting it's not important to the plot necessarily but like the whole movie it's is important about to the characters it, it's important right? to the the like the, the, the theme of the movie yeah. cuz you know it's called the ice storm and it's about things changing like the temperature of the country changing yeah. everything's frozen yeah. yeah and oh and it's like shit. it's kind of an embarrassing time to be an american yeah don't know what that's like at all yeah, yeah, I, don't yeah I don't understand but, that yeah it's kind of a it must have been weird at the yeah. time but um yeah the 70s specifically while the whole year that watergate's going on but, well because 73 was the year that it really ramped up like there was like musings about it and like little stories here and there but it wasn't really until that the the year before he resigned that like that's when it started coming out and like yeah. you know wh- who knew what and when like that was 73 was that year and to have it happen on thanksgiving which is such an american holiday like uh. this movie just was like i mean we'll get into it but like to have it be directed by a Taiwanese director. That, You're that, just like, okay. whoa, that's amazing. That's the thing. I cannot pin him down. We, we, we talked about this a little bit last week with Brokeback Broke Mountain, Back. which which hasn't been released yet. The episode hasn't <laughs> you love that episode, yet. right, Darren? I love it. <laughs> but I talk about how Ang Lee really, like from an outsider's point of view, sees American culture really for what it is. Like, it's not sugar-coated, but it's not romanticized either. He's just like, this is what America looked like and felt like during these times. So I've also kind of done a mildly obsessed with Emma Thompson during Mm -hmm. this time. And he did Sense and Sensibility right before this. And that was one of the reasons. And the wedding banquet, which was kind of gay-themed, I hadn't seen that. But I'd heard about it. Mm. And then I then he did Sense Sensibility. He did the Ice Storm. And I was like, What? And I saw Sense and Sensibility and I loved that. Yeah, that's a great movie. And that gets better with time, by the I haven't way. Seen it, so okay. I'll, I'll oh, great yeah. story it's, about class. It's actually worth a rewatch. Okay, I mean, 
Jane Austen, let's be real here. It's Jane uh, Austen knew what was going she on. She really did, yeah. and it's a great and again what and, you were saying about how an outsider how he views American culture. American like, culture. With, I mean, not to digress, but with sense and sensibility, that's not American culture. Yeah. That's British culture, and not even a British culture that he would have been alive for. But he has, but it, for lack of a better word, a sense for it. But mm. it's like a fresh set of intelligent eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone who can really pinpoint like what makes up the tropes of oh, yeah. this era. And how dumb men were. <laughs> it's so refreshing, you know? Like, Wait, it's is this like... the ice storm or sense and sensibility? Or both? <laughs> Mm, I love the I love the men in sensibility. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, Ice storm. Okay. I mean, Kevin Klein's character is he dumb or is he expecting other people to be dumb? I don't think that he's dumb, but I think he expects his wife to be dumb. And when he she's expects not, her to be a fifties wife, and if, she's not. When, when exactly, she's not dumb, no. that takes him by surprise. And then he's having this effect fair and he he's like well i'm having this affair Uh, and it should be going like this and this is how the affair should be going but he's not and she's like you're boring me i have a husband i don't particularly feel the need for another can i i i just want to say i think this is sigourney weaver's finest hour it's like i know it's a supporting role She's so she's fucking so good in good this. in it. She yeah. should have been nominated. She won a BAFTA for it right? actually, okay. and was nominated for a Golden Globe. Yes, and was not nominated for an Oscar. But she should have been. She like she she's she, hardcore hashtag life goals. For oh, me. she she's like. Well, I mean, we could we could do a whole podcast on her character. I know, yeah. We, she, but she was, and just real fast, she was um, uh, uh, so Jane Campion's we, first choice for Holly Hunter's role yeah. in the piano. Oh, really? I know. Yeah. I mean, like she was unavailable. Yeah. I mean, Sigourney Weaver and Julia Binoche. Just see. That's right. <laughs> I, and I heard that just Isabel fast, Hubert. Isabel Hubert too. So anyway, which would have been fantastic, but so different. Oh God. But, but those Holly are, Hunter they was didn't, I didn't want to sign language. <laughs> she didn't know get, sign language. And they couldn't play the piano. <laughs> she couldn't play the piano. I don't want to get off Sigourney Weaver or Kevin, Kevin Klein. Uh, because Kevin Klein a, the, is an amazing yes, actor, too. Specifically, we'll get back to him. The, just in general, the cast in this is amazing. And so specifically with Kevin Klein, I think he's a good choice for this role. Yeah. Because even though he's committing heinous, some heinous stuff, he doesn't appear to no. be a monster. Like, he actually seems like a human. Because you kind of like, you kind of, you get that he's part of this of the patriarchy change like, that's happening or, but, or viewing this change. Like he, right. he, he's been, a you know, obviously a man all his life and things are changing and he doesn't quite know how to adjust to this new change. He's a little behind the curve. Yeah. A little bit like Christina Ricci, of course, is ahead of the curve. She'd be a Twitter activist if she were around today. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So yeah, we've mentioned Sigourney Reaver, Kevin Klein, Christina Ricci, Joan, Joan Allen, Allen, Toby Joan McGuire, Allen, Elijah Wood, 
Alice and Janney. I mean, it's just oh, like, Alice oh, and Janney. Janney. Jamie Sheridan. Katie Holmes. Uh, oh, we've yes. got um, my, Babyface Katie I, Holmes. I think this is her film debut. Yeah. Uh, 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 David Crumholtz. David Crumholtz. I'm just Reuniting like, Adam's Family Value stars Christina Ricci and David Crumholtz. Who does David Crumholtz play? He's, uh, he's Toby uh, Maguire's uh, uh, roommate. Yeah. Oh, oh my! Yes, he is in M's Family Value. Yeah, the cat, the and the, the two, they share no screen time in this, but they are united. And they do Thanksgiving together. Yeah, they do. Remember Adam's Family right. Values, know, and the, she says the same stuff where she's like, "Thank you for this Thanksgiving holiday, and for all the material possessions that we have and enjoy, and for letting us white people kill all the Indians and steal their Wendy. tribal lands and." Stuff ourselves like pigs, okay. even though children okay. in Asia are being napalmed. Okay. Jesus, enough, all right. <sighs> okay, take a breath. Christina Ricci, who, like, she, she was a great young actress, but I think was cast perfectly in this because she, she kind of looks pubescent to me. Like, yeah. her boobs are bigger than her body. And it's like, and oh, that's... puberty's not kind And to she her. actually has said that this moment was really uncomfortable. She's so good, but I think that there, I look at her and I go, oh man. It's an awkward time. Like if for I a were to look at girl. myself at that age, yeah. I would be like, <gasps> yeah. especially having to do like sexual stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, and tough. she does it and you get, well, there's a whole, I mean, we can well, talk about the, the Okay, whole kid so thing. let's, let's jump on that real fast because like one of my favorite, one thing I love I have... that we all loved this film, by the oh, way. Oh yeah, that's just a given. This is this it's is another capital M movie for yeah. me. Gosh, but I like... really pick really good. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it, but it's true. <laughs> one one of my big uh, pet peeves with movies is when they either make teenagers only older than they should be or younger than yes. they should be. And like I love scream or something. Sure, like I no, I like or, a movie or, like or this when they say things that are like so intelligent. You're like. No, come on, yeah. just be a but kid. It's like, this yeah, Christina one, she's Ricci still a kid, talks but she's an adult, like a teenager. But she's like a teenager that wants to be an adult, like that that's waiting around for adulthood. All the teenagers in this, I think, are like treated well. Like they're yeah. they're not quite adults, but they're still kind of the, the children. way that Tobey Maguire sort of opines on the Fantastic Four yeah. a little bit, like yeah. comic books, very much in the wheelhouse of a teenage. And boy. he's required to grow up much sooner than he should because he's sixteen, but he has to like ride the train by himself and things like but that. But he's he's at a boarding school, which I love. First of all, I love that they really. They didn't shy away from waspy, white, privileged. Definitely. Like that's what the that's what they thought, are. I initially thought that he was in college and that was a dorm. Me too. Yeah. Me not. Too. Yeah. Like he's at a boarding school, which is a school for rich elites. Yeah. Like, like most I love that they don't that. try to be. I love that that's what they are. Yeah. yeah. And that's never escaped in the movie. The homes in this movie. I know. Oh, well, see, I, I watched a video. I watched a little video, and there was actually the person who was, uh, I think the production designer talked about how they thought of the homes in this movie as like a casting call. 
because the book calls for all the homes to be like colonial style mm. and the they were like that doesn't work necessarily for a movie or you could do it but it'd be a little on the nose the book's great by the way and so the, the, for the movie they were like let's get sort of like this modern architecture but in the sub how in the suburbs they kind of got it wrong or just not mm. quite right okay and so you get like I think it, uh, Sigourney Weaver's home is like very modern. It's like a bunch of boxes and like large windows. And then you get Joan Allen and Kevin Klein's house, which is a little more 50s style, but still progressive. And then the only colonial home you get is Alice and Janie's. Yeah. And it's huge with like murals and like just the those settings of those homes. It works really well. It, it does. And it gives like a, a, a sense of parody. Is that the right term? That Like, the houses seem different is is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Because like Alice and Janney's home seems like a mansion, seems like a castle, seems like a place where the elites go to have their salons. Right. And the other homes seem a bit homey, but especially like the, the uh, Kevin Klein, Joan Allen one, that seems like the homiest, I guess. But, but almost fake too, because their kitchen's like that lime green mm-hmm. and like... And it's really tiny. Yeah. Production well, design in general in this movie well, is I mean, so good. The notch. costuming, like the oh. way that they made everyone look like they were dressed in the 70s without like doing like the David O. Russell screaming the 70s at you. Yeah. Like there was just one part where it was like Elijah Wood and Christina Ricci are both like wearing sweaters that are like knit tops yeah yes yes and i'm like is this the best clothes they had back then like this it looks almost, terrible it almost feels fake in in a way that i don't hate though like it feels almost over the top and produced but i kind of i'm, in, I'm there for it well it it's it's fake in a way that like because it looks so incongruous to like what we think now like i almost feel like this must have been how it was yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Like, everybody has op art, and I'm sort of like, I don't think that's exactly how the 70s were, but it's like, it is visually interesting and makes for a good movie that I'm almost like, I don't care. But it's like, it's that early 70s, late 60s, suburb Connecticut. So yeah. that's not New York. It's not Los Angeles. It's suburb so it's almost maybe like upper middle class, a little too. bit behind. Yeah, even exactly. Like it's um, re- I just I remember just feeling like the costumes were so like Sigourney Weaver's big bulky like gem necklace. Top. Yeah, and like when she takes it off at the end, mm. which you don't really see people do like take things off. Like yeah. ugh. I think of uh, Alice and Janney's like uh, chevron dress. I think of Joan Allen's outfit when they go to the key party. Oh my god! Oh, which is like the pant thing. Yeah, Yeah. and she looks like frumpy a little bit, but Uh not not unsexy too. I I don't want to like jump too far ahead, but there is that conversation in the car before they decide whether or not to actually participate in this key party. Which I have thoughts on too. Let's put a pin in it because we need to okay. do some place setting first. Okay. I don't know what that place setting is because there's a lot to this movie. This is only my third time viewing it, I think. And this is only my second time, but first time was six months ago. I just saw, I mean, maybe because I did an edible before, but I'm just like, I saw a ton as far as like, there's themes of family. There's themes of lost innocence, which America was going through at the time. There's themes of like 
Uh, I made a list. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's just an overall change in values going on. So it's like, honestly, spoiler alert, like someone dies in the movie, but I almost feel like that's kind of like the least interesting storyline that's going on. I think like the key party storyline to me at least is much more interesting. Well, I think they're all interconnected. I mean, they are interconnected, but like, and like, it, it's sad that, that someone dies and there, there's a lot of foreshadowing to that told visually in the movie that, that we'll get to in a little bit. But like, to me, I'm watching the movie and the movie is sort of like a, a really entertaining sort of comedy drama until they go to the key party and Joan Allen and Kevin Klein have that argument in the car. And I feel like the movie goes into a different gear at that point. Like the pacing speeds up a little bit and the tone of the whole movie changes regardless of like which characters you're focusing on. First time I watched this was like in November. And I didn't know anything about it, really. I knew that it was Ang Lee, and I knew that it was supposed to be pretty good. So I watched good it. Good way to go totally, into it. Totally swept up in it. It's so fun. Same, I wish I could go back. I, same thing. Like... When I saw it, I didn't know a thing about it. Uh-huh. And this time that I watched it, I was like, I know what I'm in for. And it seemed a little slow at the beginning. But once it got to the key party, it suddenly like kicked into a different gear. And it was kind of like watching it for the first time again. I was like, even though the beginning didn't hold up the way that it once did, I'm still kind of like locked in to each storyline. Like, there's something happening to each set of characters. Yeah, there's at definitely this a point. quickening once that happens. To me, it's a very classic character movie about let's set these characters in this time period of such change. And we're going to see all of these people kind of deal with it. And I think that kind of the, in some ways, the simplicity of it was the thing that really attracted me when I first saw it. And when I rewatched it, because I know more about the Nixon stuff and about the time period, that kind of hit me a little bit more. But it actually really struck me that it really speaks to today, kind of the change we're in. And it's just kind of like average, you know, like no one's really special in it. Like they're all kind of like, I don't know. Is Kevin Klein any different than any of those other guys at that no. key party? Yeah. No. You know? Yeah. Definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. not. And that's the thing that I kind of loved about it, that we were just kind of seeing... You know, she sees her daughter drive by on a bike and she's like, oh, my God, there's my daughter like riding a bike. You know what? I'm going to ride a bike. To me, like that speaks to what this movie is also like in the 70s. There was this like idea of lost innocence of the 50s. And so like Uh the mom is looking at her daughter being like, oh, I remember riding a bike. And so later she rides a bike. And then she's like, I used to steal lipstick. Yeah. (laughs) Like I want to get that back. And, like, there is this, like, theme running through of, like, people trying to regain something that uh-huh. feels lost or, like, right. an innocence be- Trying to be lost. sexy well, like, and, like, like yeah. you know, like, like, we can kind of be... Well, or, like, my marriage isn't what I think it is, so, like, I'm going to go fuck somebody else. Yeah. And, like, they go through the motions and they realize it's not what they thought it would be. I mean, the key... Well, yeah, because shoplifting, like, for habitual shoplifters, like, they've shown that it's not about 
the items that they're stealing, it's about taking control. Like, this is something that I can put in my hands and take control over. And it's the thrill of being able to have total control over a moment. Yeah. Is the reason that they do it. It's and not Christina for the Ricci, goods. when she steals, she steals she's in control. She looks at the old woman and she walks out. Yeah. Joan Allen does it and she's like, just keeps grabbing things and then they're like, we maybe you should come back maybe in here. And, but like, we don't even see like necessarily the consequences. The, yeah. We just know that Which she I got love. caught. We, we just know she got caught and she's now living with that. And we, we also know that like, it wasn't a money thing. Like they're fine oh, money yeah. wise. She was doing it for some other purpose. Yeah. Feeling young again is my, my oh, guess. Oh, absolutely. Because like, she, cause, like it, it, or, or just and, taking control. And like, I, feeling out of control and like this is one thing that you can take control over i also read that like in the book she knows that christina ricci's character has been shoplifting before she does it herself so it's like there's this like repetition or like trying to find like youth through what the youth is doing there's like that theme running through this i've never shoplifted before have you yes I, I still, have. I stole really? eyeliner from Walmart when I was a goth in in my teenager years. What did you get away with it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Darren, it was you really said yes. Easy. I yes, I have. What did you steal? <laughs> Saffron. <laughs> <laughs> Your payment. You all wonderful. You all wanted to hear that. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I've stolen some saffron in my day. <laughs> well, it's expensive. I can it's expensive. Why you would. If you're making a paella and you just, you've it's already like, bought all the seafood. I don't know. God. You're like, God. I have the mussels and the clams. I paid for that stuff. You're like, it's already <laughs> 50 plus dollars. <sighs> so did you, did you do it for monetary reasons or did you do it because you know that you could? I probably did. I did it for the thrill. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's why uh, Winona Ryder did it. Like, obviously, she had the money to pay right. for what she yeah. was stealing, but uh, she did it because she was sort of I in mean, some way addicted I to it. I don't really feel like I'm Winona Ryder, but I, you know, I, I mean, I don't. She's not as not. famous as you, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could have done a good job in The Age of Innocence, too. So. Oh, my God. That um, is such a great movie i've never seen it but <laughs> it, it's good i've also read the book that's like one oh, of the few books that i've read in my life it's such yeah. a great it Edith is Wharton, man she it knew. is an underappreciated movie the and the Absolutely. way that scorsese tries to capture the oh. way that edith wharton writes writes it is it, beautiful it, it, it's mm. very like i i'm not a huge fan of the movie but it's <gasps> when i watch it and i'm like scorsese really tried to do Mm -hmm. something different absolutely (laughs) (laughs) thank you like yes like he he went to the text and was like how do i capture this cinematically how do i how do i visually show a woman's hair right it's been weaved and woven and done up and and the the fact that like the the way that her hair is done signifies what class she's in and so like scorsese like understood the text and tried to translate that to a movie and i don't necessarily think that it was a success but darren and i will will agree to disagree i think it's the best 
one of the best use of a narrator mm. that I've ever seen. I think that Michelle Pfeiffer was better than Winona Ryder in the movie. Winona Ryder was nominated for supporting right. actress. Okay, yeah. Can I just so, say, it, it's not a bad movie. It's just, I really like the book. And it, as, as good as Scorsese the did the movie, I don't think that it quite captured the upper class ennui that the book huh. did. Hmm. Well, speaking of upper class ennui. Oh, yeah. Ice storm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we got off Sorry, topic. We got off topic. It's all right. You're going to edit it all out. That's anyway, what I'm so. here for. Benjamin, I don't need a husband. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's fucking she's so, we, so good. How? She's so She's so good. good. Her, her jaw. Is that writing? Her, her cheekbones in that. I think I actually really like Sigourney Weaver in this role because she's, and especially in the context of just like everything that's going on, because like she is still like, there's still like a part of her that's holding on to like, I'm the mom. 50s mom stereotype i need to be doing these things my but she, favorite but she's so modern with it my favorite scene is her kind of section of when she comes home and her son is blowing things up and then she's like stop doing that and then she she goes inside and she sees christina ricci and her son and her son elijah, elijah wood, wood. And she's like, excuse me, don't you kids have homework? Thanksgiving break. She's going back and forth and she's suddenly becoming this mom to us. Mm -hmm. We've only seen her as this like, you know. And you get why she's like, I hate my life. Yeah. (laughs) And then she has the, I mean, really her like Oscar clip, if there was one. With her telling Christina Christina Ricci about her body. A person's body is his temple. This body is your first and last possession. Now, as your own parents have probably told you, in adolescence, our bodies tend to betray us. And that's why in Samoa and other developing nations, adolescents are sent out into the woods unarmed and they don't come back till they've learned a thing or two. Do you understand? She's taking things that she's heard and that she knows she should be thinking because she's this type of woman. Mm-hmm. In this type of environment, in this, she, it's and, like she understands that she can be sexually liberated, but she doesn't understand exactly how to do well, it. This is just a theory because, like, they don't ever say this in the movie. But so th- there's the key party. Spoiler alert: She goes home with the hot young one. Yeah, but she does. it shows her going home afterwards. Like I the, know, and curling and up in a fetal position. Favorite, and she that's looks my, sad. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite thing. And and in the book, you have a little more information, which I can't remember. But <laughs> but I know you do. I know you do. But I love cinematically. I love that you don't know. I think it's better that we don't know because it, it just implies that like. Yes, she got the hot guy, but she's unfulfilled. But she's also unfulfilled in her marriage. And is it? And she gets up on that waterbed and grabs a blanket and cr- like, like yeah, a fetal. she's in the she fetal just, position on a waterbed. And, I mean, uh, for fuck's sake, and it's so all, good. All you really know is that something about her life is unfulfilling to her. Whether it was the sex with the hot guy, or just maybe that the, the sex with the hot guy made her realize how empty her marriage is and that's why she has this affair with kevin klein like we don't know but like it 
just the the image of her like so unhappy after she's hooked up with this you know the hottest guy at the party like it gives a full arc to her character that is just a supporting role that normally I don't think would be given a full arc and I mean I want to I want to stress too that like she's choosing these decisions like when she pulls mm. that key out of the bowl you remember oh. how she twists her hand I know. to pick that she's like the swirl this, of yes. victory yeah she's like, like this is what i want yeah and then to have the after mm. they leave the next scene have her come home and curl into the fetal position you're like oh she's not happy with yeah. this even though this is her and, choosing you know we were talking about with brokeback mountain you were saying that's like a rorschach test and I feel like this is more of a Rorschach test than Brokeback Mountain because, like, I look at Sigourney Weaver's character and I just I see that she is unhappy with like the remnants of this like '50s housewife role that she's more or less been assigned to. Mm-hmm. And if this were a different time and a different place, like she could be happy having a family or a husband or or being in a, a sexually adventurous relationship but it's the confines of you know 1973 america that's making her unhappy and like i fully acknowledge that it's a rorschach test because like if i traded places with her i would probably also be deeply unhappy even if i like pulled out the key of of a super hot guy like all the men at the party are like oh i wish some of the fellas here would have brought their daughters and stuff like that because it it some woman brought her son to the party and that's the one she fucks and that's the one that she fucks and when she pulls well we don't know that for sure possibly but she pulls the the keys out and like i I don't know how y'all felt but i was like yeah fucking get it sigourney when then kevin well, klein, kevin klein gets he was gonna, up and he's like oh no 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 chin on the coffee it's table like, you're so embarrassed. You're embarrassed for Joan, Joan at that moment? Mm-hmm. And you're embarrassed for Sigourney? You're well, embarrassed for him? I actually wasn't because moving into the key party, like Alice and Jenny makes the announcement, like, everybody out, we're going to do it. If you're going to leave, do yeah. it now. And then, like... Everybody goes in, but like we still have Joan Allen and Kevin Klein sitting by the fireplace, and he's like, "You ready to go?" We're not going anywhere. At that point, I'm like, she is separating herself from her husband. Well, no, because yeah, but to see your husband like stand up and protest someone else's like a that's a little like I feel well, I guess okay. So Rorschach test again. I feel like. At the point when she said, we're doing this key party, she's saying, I'm separate from you. Mm. You have made your choice to be separate from me, and now I'm going to show you that this is how it feels. And so that's why at that point, to me, she's just like, that's not my husband. I don't have to go home with him. I don't care. So rewind a little bit to the beginning. They get to the party, and they realize that it's a key party. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hold on. We need to talk about this. Uh And they go back up to the car. And... This is one of those very subtle things directorially. They're in the car and they're talking about what's happening. And they're talking about Kevin Klein's affair, but they're not saying it. But you know that that's what they're talking about. 
And the way that Ang Lee lights the scene, whenever you see Kevin Klein's face, it just looks lit through a car that's turned off in the rain with like maybe a street light or something or, or, or a porch light. But when it cuts to Joan Allen's face, you can see the reflection of rainwater running down her face. Mm. So it looks like she's crying. You have some marker. That's what I think. If you want to know the truth, you have some marker. And you're going to put it on the house keys so that Janie can find it. And then when I get back to the house, I'm going to find the two of you in there. And Wendy will be able to hear you. And Paul will be back and he'll hear you and I'll catch you. That's what Elena. I think. It's not what you think. It's not some big plot. It's a shot reverse shot. And they do it several times. And every time it's Kevin Klein, it just looks like light through a water covered windshield. But then it cuts back to Joan Allen and there's the the shadows of water dripping down her face that makes it look like she's crying. And they go back in, and she's the one who's like, we're in. And she tosses the keys at Alice and Janney. That's important because, like, at the beginning when they go back to that car, you see a shot, a close-up of Kevin Klein putting the keys in the ignition. And oh, yeah. and she's the one that yanks them out. Yeah, and puts them in the bowl. Yeah. So it's like, he's the one who's like, do you want to go? And she says, fuck no. Yeah. Like, I love all that. When she comes back into the party, and she, like, underhand tosses it and Allison and Janney catches it. Smiles. There's there's <laughs> a good symmetry in the direction because like Joan Allen walks in, tosses it, and you get a close up of Allison Janney's hand catching the keys. And then Allison Janney turns towards the camera as Joan Allen and Kevin Klein walk behind her. And I'm like, this is just beautiful direction because we know the power dynamic of what's going on. Like yeah. Joan has taken control of the situation and literally tossed it to Allison Janney who, who who catches it. And like her posture walking in versus Kevin Klein's like sort of Slumped schlubby posture yeah. walking in. Like you don't need the sound on. You you don't even need to know what happened prior. You can see the power dynamic just by that one scene. Yeah, wow. I love it. <laughs> Sorry. I no, no, I'm with you. I, like, this is what makes this movie great. Is like, and I, I don't understand why it wasn't more appreciated in its time because it's like you look back at these things and you're like, this is so obvious. Like, this is and these characters aren't one dimensional. They're they're very they're layered and they have a lot going on. They have a lot of inner thought. And it's shown in such a way that you are engaged in it. All right, here we go. 97 was a big year for me because I felt like the films that I really loved weren't getting the love that they deserved. Titanic Mm. taking enough praise. With Titanic taking over. Okay. And just very simply, if you were to look at Titanic versus The Ice Storm, one is so big and has all of these effects and but i feel like like it's literally huge and it's like the biggest boat ever made the name of it yeah and and i feel like for me the ice storm was such a delicate these care like i just felt for everybody in it i mean i even feel for kevin klein like when I mean, when he at the very end, when he's in the car, can we talk? That's beautiful. Well, no, even when Sigourney Weaver picks 
someone else's keys out of the mm. the 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 jar or whatever it is and he gets up to sort of protest and like bangs his shin it's like even though i don't necessarily like agree with his protest like i've been there like yeah. we've like we're all nearing 40 or past it or or like watch yourself uh, hey 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 <laughs> by the time this airs i will be 40 fine <gasps> Oh, when's your birthday? June twelfth. Oh, mine's no. June twenty fourth. I can't even celebrate. You're a Gemini. I am. I'm a Cancer. Technically, That's okay. we're pretty close. I'm not really. I mean, I, I my ca- characteristics are different. I get you. I get your Gemini vibes. It's cool. Yeah, I'm a day after the cusp. So, rising Leo. We, <laughs> but we like as as as. So gay it's well balanced. Who, it's been, well balanced. As as gay men who've been single at some point in their life, Ryan probably doesn't remember it at this oh point. My God. What? He's really you're really like This is what he does. Single, <laughs> almost forty. Ryan's like my brother at this point. Oh like there's nothing sacred between him and I'm I. currently giving Matt a noogie. You can't <laughs> hear it on the podcast, but But like we've all been at a party where like the object of our affection went home with someone else. Darren has never. No, Darren's the one who's Darren's going home. Darren's Sigourney Weaver. The... Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say Darren has gone home with people that I've tried to go home with at parties. Uh, this is a very sore subject, Matt. I'm a little upset that you're bringing it up. I... TBH. <laughs> oh my God. All I'm oh saying is God. that when where's my water bed? <laughs> When Kevin Klein gets up to like protest, uh, it's it like it's embarrassing. It's, but I feel his pain. Like I, I you feel sympath- his pain, and you feel everybody else's. And yeah, everyone I feel else is embarrassed like, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, all right, you can unpin this. I'm drunk enough at this point Uh-oh. to say it. I consider myself sexually adventurous. Like I was in a thruple for many years. I've been to a bathhouse on more than one occasion. Documented documented i've even been part of an orgy what's a bath house <laughs> it's a big hot tub establishment oh 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 gotcha i consider myself to be you know out there a yeah. little bit i find a key party to be really invasive and like so can you Im- i cannot like, imagine who? i know it's tough D- darren Which, heartbreaker over there <laughs> Oh my god. Darren, host of many key parties as I remember. Oh my god. (laughs) His ice storm keep If my parents are listening (laughs) We're we're joking. We're joking. (laughs) It's true. But, um no like, but no no I'm with you like I especially if you're like one of the participants and say like you're the first one you're the husband of the woman who picks the first key and it's not you and they go off together like what are you feeling in that moment Yeah I do it's this time of Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice Yeah yeah it's this time of well it, we should be like this free yeah. for all almost Yeah but, but I feel like this movie shows like the limitations, al- like of almost that. people that are like, "Well, we did it at this one party, so like, let's do it now." And we've all been in those situations where they're trying to be 
what they've heard about and their waspy white suburban folk. They can't be sexually liberated because of that. And it, it's just so, in my opinion, kind of gross. Yeah. Because they don't really want to do it. Yeah. I, I mean, neither like Kevin Klein nor Joan Allen actually want to do it. But Joan Allen's <sighs> in a very emotionally vulnerable spot because she's really just like found out concretely that her husband's cheating on her and she has a very good idea who it reminded me uh back when I was like 19 and dating a 17 year old and he he was talking with his father on the phone and I could hear his father say I don't like Matt and I think I have a very good idea why <laughs> and I well. kind of feel like there's a lot of that going on like that's oh why Joan God. Allen like doesn't like Sigourney Weaver she's like I think I have a pretty good idea well, why I don't like her. But that's, it's isn't it funny? They don't really ever have. They don't interact. A real scene together. Because I don't think Sigourney Weaver even like. Well, it, it's I think there's a Sigourney pressure. Weaver's like calculus in this. Like Joan's feelings isn't part of what she's doing. When does Sigourney Weaver leave? Remember when he's in the bed and she's like, I have to go do something. Yeah. He mentioned something right before that. Oh, I don't remember what it was. Well, he's just like, he's talking. It's like, it's like the same situation when he's talking about the golf thing. And she's like, I already have a husband. I don't need another one. It's that same feel, but it's not, it's not the same scene, but he's talking about how she acted funny to you. I mean, have you noticed anything? Have I noticed anything? I'm not married to her, Benjamin. You are. I think you have probably a better vantage point from which to observe her. Yeah, but uh, I've been working a lot lately. and No, that's not it. I... I guess maybe we're just on the verge of saying something. Saying something to each other. On the verge. I'll be back. like i have to go i mean joan allen like i like i can't speak for all y'all and i might be divulging too much of my personal life in this but it's like when you're cheated on it's not so much that someone else is getting their rocks off as you think of all the opportunities that you had exactly to cheat and you chose not to well and that's it and at the very end when it's finally like she ends up being with Sigourney Weaver's husband and they just sit on the couch and he's like, I don't really feel like this. And she's sort of like, so what I'm proposing is that since your wife went off with a boy and since you were here alone, I'm proposing that you and I do what makes sense. Stay warm, pass some time. That's all. Joan Allen wanted, if she had pulled out the, the pastor's keys, but but it might be different. But then he says, why don't we get out of here? And she's like, Okay. Okay. And then they get out to the car, which is a laugh out loud, hilarious scene. No. When he presses (laughs) the seat back. The seat back. Well, she asked, does the seat go back? Do these seats go back? (laughs) I mean, it. That is true brilliance i just want to say during that scene i noticed really good sound design because like 
the you hear rain on this, ice in a car. Oh yeah, and it sounds cold to me. Like and when I'm listening, the like sound this sounds f- chilly. For the the sound design, like, look, Titanic was great, <laughs> but I feel like its ice storm I doesn't compare felt, to this ice storm. But I felt the cold. Yeah, like the wet. I felt the storm in it. I don't even, know. I don't know how in the to beginning when wait like we see Tobey Maguire in the train and like and the, starting the, up, and the, yeah. and the starting up the, and the wheels. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Like, you feel that's that that this is frozen for just a moment. Yeah, like see, but you feel that cold. And we see. I mean, like you hear it. It feels cold. We also like. There's so many shots of ice in this movie. Mm. Like they're breaking open the ice in the yeah, ice that, tray. Uh, it, yeah, Drop, ice trays, dropping so ice trays, yeah. dropping of ice into glasses. Oh. Like there's no, the, so much and of this. To show that Kevin Klein is super drunk, they show his hand drunkenly going into yeah. like the, it's so the jar full of ice and like pouring. Uh, what is it? The vodka. Uh, what, I thought you were drinking vodka at the point. Vodka. Yeah. It was what? What's the really super cheap vodka? Gilby's. Gordon's. Gordon's. Yeah. And he, so he drunkenly puts a bunch of ice in a glass and pours Gordon's up to the rim. It's like this guy's just drunk. like the it's, theme of this, this ice. guy is asking yeah. for yeah. trouble. I, I just and, love and it, like they, they they're all icy people. Like yeah. they're all I mean, like that is that's the that, waspy I mean, stereotype yes. that like. You the Grace Kelly sort of like you, like you repress your feelings and like for a movie that has a lot of sex in it mm. or sex themes, it's not a warm movie by any means. No, because no, like even Christina Ricci's like she unzips her pants and the young guy responds yeah. in like the worst possible way. Yeah. You want someone to respond when you show your genitals. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? Uh, but even later when they get under the covers together, it doesn't feel, uh, it, it still has like a coldness to it. Yeah, like yeah. his, like you see his, the little boy's face and he's like little rosy cheeks because of the vodka. Yeah. Like you see him and you're like, oh, you've, you've just had a little bit of liquor in you. Yeah. 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 It's so accurate and so beautifully done. And like when I watched it the first time, I was like, because like the the cold rain starts hitting, and you know we've seen bits on the television report like this is gonna be an ice storm. It's mm-hmm. gonna freeze once it hits the ground, and uh, Elijah Wood and only one of the only real pops of real color. Well, is Elijah Woods? Uh, Elijah Wood uh, like puts on his boots and jacket and he, he walks about. out. And the way that Ang Lee uh, films it is when he from the, the inside yeah, the of ice. a window that's like ha- has ice. Yes, it, and, and you, you see, see the red of uh, yeah, like this red Beautiful. orange thing fade off into darkness. And I, one hundred percent, the first time I watched this, I was like, he's gonna die. Yeah, I was like, I oh, he he. There's this this blip of orange red fading off into darkness like he's gonna die he's the only one who's not who's sort of not tainted by like sexual problems too well i mean he is and he isn't because like he does kind of fool around with christina ricci right but it's not in the way that like he's driven by those desires he's much more like put upon by her i got the impression he's more driven by naturalistic instinct i, I guess i want to say because he, he, he goes out because he wants to like experience... scientific terms yeah he's the yeah. one that's like 
well, this happens and this happens. And when and, and molecules he, go into the earth, he, and he like, goes out because he wants to smell the clean smell. air when everything's clean. frozen. There's Cl- you know, no, no, pollution. you just said it. He wants to smell clean. And it freezes because it means the molecules are not moving. So when you breathe, there's nothing in the air, you know, you breathe into your body. Molecules have stopped. It's clean. Like that's so. And, and that's such a beautiful. It's pure. It's very pure. Then, then, oh. And so, so of course he's the one who has to die. The next scene we, we see of him is him on like the diving oh, board no. over the. Which, uh, how made, precarious which is that? I yeah, felt. The, <laughs> no, when I, I when I watched this in November, I was like, oh, diving oh, board's gonna break. Oh, he's gonna die. Or and then it doesn't. Off. No. And like the the way but when he when he dies, oh. it it's really unexpected. Like even though the first time I watched this, I anticipated him dying. The scene where he actually dies, that wasn't oh. the scenario that I thought it was going to well, be. And I want to talk about how it's filmed, too, because it's like it shows him like as almost like a child. He's playing around. He's having fun sliding around, sits down on the guardrail, gets electrocuted. And then we see him sliding again, dead. It's like a theme of this movie that it's like growing up, you're eventually going to have to lose some innocence. So you're it's like gonna- he's getting this innocence of like, I'm playing, I'm having fun. And then like the shock kills him. Like he can't yeah. be innocent anymore. Like growing up means sliding downhill in some ways. Yeah. Because, I mean, and, and that makes sense actually, because like Joan Allen, when she like gets into the car, they slide downhill and go like sure. out of off road a yeah. little bit. Also, another thing that I noticed much more in this viewing was how much Kevin Klein lifts up Christina Ricci because <gasps> she's still to small enough. Home. She's yeah. small and enough to be see, lifted. And yeah. you see this like scene of like she's a little too big to really be carried. You see. But he's like <sighs> carrying his little girl. But not and, too I mean, not too big to not be carried either. But it's like that weird, crazy it, weird. It, it is in like a middle zone because like he's talking about how like you have a sense like when you get to my age, you get a sense for like relationships that will work out and won't. And, you know, obviously no one really has that good of a sense. Like yeah. no one can actually predict what relationships will will see their way to the end but and then he picks her up and it is like she's a little too big for that but at the same time like you feel it's very sweet yeah like and then he as a father you're like oh i want to do this with my daughter absolutely you see a man saying i want to i want to retain you i want to hold you daughter keep you yeah but like she's 14 or something and it's yeah. like like i i know that it's disgusting to think of a 14 year old as pubescent like we don't want to think of 14 year olds as sexual beings but like christina Why? ricci is and 
What no, the- I feel like that. This like that's her going back to like I want to. I want my dad to hold. Me. And this is what I'm saying. Like in this, this is what this movie does so well. Is like this age, this like weird pubescent age. You are a child and you are an adult, and it's yeah. like yeah. she's struggling to find adulthood, but, but she when, also still wants to be the kid who's carried home by her daddy. But I also found it when he picks up Elijah Wood, so like. Well, in the way, yeah, he is the one that discovers Elijah Wood. Well, in the way, Elijah Wood's dad takes his like jacket off and And stuff. And then Elijah Wood's father picks up Elijah Wood and brings him inside and takes off his. There's a lot of like, let me like those sorts of like relationships. Yeah, it just that struck me so hard. To me, it's all just, you know, a metaphor for innocence lost. And it's like, you know, especially like when you think of like Nixon and Watergate, it's like that's sort of when America really lost its innocence. It's when it was like, oh, in in, in a certain dimension. Yeah, and like, definitely. yeah, I mean, maybe like some people could argue that it was when Kennedy got assassinated. But the fact that this movie takes place 10 years after yeah, that, that on the anniversary of that's it, that's like a super important thing to know. It's I, just like it's a theme. It's like America loses its innocence kind of over and over again like i think you all three of us could mention several times when quote unquote america has lost its innocence since then 9-11 trump election the trump election the uh tanya harding nancy kerrigan scandal um (laughs) i lived uh, through that i mean yeah i I did too i don't know i'm just saying like there's lots of times when like people like this is when america lost its innocence but like if you really got down to it it's when nixon fucking resigned as president that's when it's like what the fuck yeah anymore means anything and like that's what is like such a difficult thing to capture on film or just in general is like what people were going through and what America was going through in that time. And I think this film does it. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. Watching it again, you know, there's that moment of, um, you, you all see a movie and you're like, Oh, I wonder if it's going to be like as like great as I wanted it to be. And you rewatch and you're like, Oh yeah. 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 I was right. Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> that was the ice storm for me. Like, I, I watched. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I was right on point. Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> Darren, you are on our wavelength and to do these two movies together really emphasizes what we feel are good movies and, and movies what are, that should be seen and, and like celebrated if you seen and them, a little bit under celebrated like, like go watch them and view them and they're beautiful films and they're they're films that aren't necessarily easy and they're not feel good and they're but they're films that are powerful and meaningful and should be seen by people. Absolutely. Well, Darren, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Darren. This is the end of our season. Next week, 
No, in two weeks, we're going to start a whole new season. Please, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I'm going to try this. I don't even know if it's streaming. I don't know where it's available. But I'm going to do a movie I've threatened to do for a long time, Matt. Ordinary People. <laughs> My not fi- not waiting for that so for the double feature. Not off Darren. base. Not off base. I want to oh, do... Yeah. The Bitter Tears of Peter Van Kant. Oh, you know, I've never seen that. I've I know. dying to see it. I've been threatening it for a while. Yeah, and that's the only reason I time. haven't watched it is because you said, like, don't watch it. I'm mm. choosing it for the podcast. Yeah, well, here we are. We're doing it. Deep, single set, lesbian drama. All right, let's plug our junk. Get the fuck out of here. Great. Please check us out on... Twitter at X Rated Movies. Uh, and Facebook at Rated X Movies. Give us an email at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And if you go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash X Rated Movies, and give us money, you don't have to do fucking shit. No, you don't have to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Audio or Overcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can just fucking you don't sit back in the cut, put your arms over your head, and say, I'm good. I'm a Patreon. And also, if you do that, you get lots of good bonus content. Like, I, there's been talk about doing a certain movie by a certain team of movie makers. I'm just going to say their names rhyme with Wall. Rare Hoven and Gall Gesterhouse. I'm not gonna say any more than that, but uh, we might make a bonus episode. You might need that. to say more than that because I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. It's a um, whatever Ryan said, I'm I'm here for. Yeah, that could happen. So just you know, he he he's the captain leading us right into the iceberg of the Titanic. Mm, Titanic. Thanks for bringing us back to that. <laughs> Thank you for coming on our podcast. Thank you so much. I've loved being here. Keep reaching for that rainbow. <laughs> Some way.